There is hope for us yet. We are young, we are aware. Started. Okay. There is no time for I am Laura McCallan. And I am Holly Whitaker. And this is. Did you just oh, take a sip of your coffee? <laughs> yes. We're on home podcast. That's so funny. I like you tried to sneak in a sip of your coffee in between me saying, and I'm Holly Whitaker, and you saying, oh my god. Eat it. Yes, please. I haven't had any, so everyone. It's knows. too early for you to have coffee. It's really not. I'm just going back to bed. Yeah. Um, yeah, so. So, we are introducing this week's episode, uh, which is an interview with Melissa Johnson. Yeah. About, um, I mean, we really, we haven't even titled this episode yet. We, you and I haven't even, like, we've, we've thrown around some ideas, but... Um, we interviewed her because we wanted to explore even further this um, the subject of being a mother and being a mother who's battling addiction. And um, mm. she came to mind. I've known her for a while, and she came to mind first because of everyone I know. Um, she's got one of the harder stories, and, um, I mean, everything is relative, but she's got a very, very... Um, well, and she's public about it. It's well. That's I said number one, and I was going to say number okay. two. She's Sorry. well. She's she's not only public about it. She owns she owns the shit out of it, and mm-hmm. um and she has what by all accounts you know society says we should be totally ashamed about, and um mm-hmm. she talks about it, and she talks about it just um I think with with self compassion. She talks about it with self compassion, and yeah. um and she owns it not in a way that dismisses it. She owns it in a way that doesn't let her define her and also that helps countless other women that have to deal with any aspect yeah. of raising children and, and, and having and having gone through it um, yeah. with, with alcohol. Yeah, it was beautiful. She was wonderful and so I was so impressed by her exactly what you said, her the way she told it and the way she carries her herself and her story and you know she's she's kind of uh just on her way out of it I mean it's still very fresh and yeah today when we release this it'll be one year since um and she goes right into this early so this is no spoiler alert but she'll be one year today when we release this since she had her children taken away from her um yeah. and was charged again, for the second again, time for the second time and was charged with uh charged with felony child neglect and so she she is yeah she has an astonishingly beautiful story and and also I mean just especially as we get towards the end just um just the beauty of this awfully tragic hard path and and all this yeah. like stuff that can come of it and and especially yeah. how we all have how we all can have power around our stories no matter what they are yeah I won't even add to it it's beautiful. Let's intro her. Oh, her. And we, I just, I do want to say, because anyone who wants to read more about her story is she writes on a website called my truth, my truth starts here.org. Mm-hmm. And that'll be posted on both of our websites. Um, and 
it's beautiful. She, she started writing, um, in the middle of her, of her struggle, uh, and her story. And, uh, it's, it's great. And her name is Melissa Johnston. Yeah. And she also did something fantastic that we talk about at the end, which is mm. in order to give back, she started a nonprofit, um, where she, it's just her right now, but she's building to, essentially help women who have had their children taken away um, and who have uh, who suffer addiction, who have gotten their children back, um, get a clean start by essentially going to their to their home and helping them clean and organize their home. Um, yeah. Clean life, clean home. Clean life, clean home. We'll post links to that as well. It's just her. She does this in, in the Oklahoma City area, but she's... She's trying to grow this as well. And so you can read more about that and uh, either by searching on Facebook, Clean Life, Clean Home, or by looking at a link that we'll add in with, with this, But um, which is just extraordinary. I mean, that's just, yeah. Yeah. Leaves you speechless. All right. Okay. Off we go. Here's Melissa. Hey, Melissa. Hey, guys. How you doing? Morning. Morning. Good. Morning. Good. So we're spanning three time zones. I always love that. I know. I know. <laughs> Where are you, Melissa? I am in Oklahoma. Mm, I love your voice. <laughs> <laughs> Do I have an accent? Yeah. I don't, yeah. I don't feel like I have an accent. <laughs> yeah. It's very delicate. It's very slight. I remember it from the first time we talked. I can still hear your voice. <laughs> um, I don't think you've ever had it. And uh, do you call yourself Okies? Okies, yes, we do. Oh, you do? Is that a well? It's really funny because Okies. I take I take a um, when I was in high school. I mean, my grandparents were from one of my my step grandmother was from Oklahoma, and and my my grandpa was from Arkansas. But I um, when I was in high school, my friend used to say oaky bath which just meant like we didn't get in the shower and I always like I said it for years and then I was gonna say it the other day and I was like that's probably not a nice thing anyway <laughs> oaky bath well we also like where I live we call each um, we call ourselves Sooners also because uh, yeah uh, I live in Norman which is the hometown of um the Oklahoma University yeah and yeah. the Sooners like it's a real big college town so everybody's big into the OU football season and stuff yeah. like that yeah so what are they I called normies here. normies <laughs> maybe I don't know wait no. what is it Sooners Sooners, Sooners. yeah wait, this is like what college I, football wait what did I hear Norm I heard norms anyway sorry I it's live, still I early live in Norman oh okay <laughs> Norman, Oklahoma, Sorry. the home of the Sooners. <gasps> Got it. Not normies, Sooners. Okay. Not normies. That would be something else. <laughs> more coffee. You need some more coffee. Oh, that's so much. <laughs> All right. So, Melissa, you're joining us today um, because we're kind of uh, extending this conversation that Laura and I had last week where we were talking about shame and also not just extending the part of the conversation that Laura really brought up, which is the shame that, that you know, kind of comes from um, battling addiction and where there are kids in the picture when you're a mother. And we, this wasn't, it wasn't just because of this. It was also because of other events that primarily have, have happened in Laura's life. But the conversation mm -hmm. 
re that really needs to happen that we really want to explore um, in this medium is is the is the aspects of motherhood. And um, I immediately thought of you because you are so public and so brave with your story, um, and it's unique. And so, um, so yeah. So why don't you start just by taking us through. Um, and you, you had your kids taken away and, and mm -hmm. what I'd love is for you just to kind of take us through, um, through your story and just, um, yeah. Okay. Well, um, I have been very open about everything that's happened and it's not necessarily, um, because I wanted to, I, when my kids did get taken away, they were taken away, um, May 18th of 2015 and, um, after that happened, I just had this voice in my head that said I needed to get my story out. I needed to um, help other moms. And, um, and it, cause I don't, I didn't necessarily want everybody to know, Hey, right. guess what? I've had my kids taken away twice. This is the second time I've had my kids taken oh. away. Okay. And, um, I didn't, I don't, that's not something that I want people to know, but, um, it's been really, I, I get really emotional when I talk about my kids and stuff, so I will be um, crying. <laughs> it's okay. Welcome um, to the club. <laughs> um, but my kids were taken away for the first time December 12th of 2013. Um, at that time, I was heavily drinking, but they were not taken away because of an, a drinking incident. They were taken away because my son ate a pot brownie that I had in my house mm. and um, he went to school and told the teacher that he ate a brownie with medicine in it and it made him sick and so they called Child Protective Services and they came to my house and I was like yes there was marijuana in that brownie and I said but I wasn't eating the brownies I had them for a friend and um, they didn't care you know they took my kids anyways because I do have um, a a criminal record. I do have a background that is, does not look good. Yeah. And, um, does, um, how old, how old were, were your kids at the time? Like how old was your son? Um, my daughter was four mm -hmm. and actually no, she was three. And, um, my son was about to turn six. How did he like, know that there was medicine in it? Um, because I told him because whenever he, we were going to a movie and he started acting really weird and I said, what is, what is wrong with you? And he's like, I need to go home right now. I need to go home. And I said, what, what is happening? Did you eat anything at home? Yeah. Did you eat any chocolate? You know, cause I'm thinking, I'm thinking of what could it, what could have happened? And my sister is a nurse and I'm like, what do you think is happening? And she's like, he sounds like maybe he's having a really bad migraine. So take him home and put him in bed. And, but the more that we, the longer that we, you know, we're driving home and he's just, he was high. He was eating Ugh. pop. We ate, left the movie theater with a big bat, big, um, box of popcorn. And he was like, this is so good. Oh, like he really was high. And so we got there and I, and I, I was like, get in bed. We got him, you know, we got to, you need to rest. And, um, then I went and checked the brownies and I saw that there was a brownie missing and I'm like, this was brownie has medicine in it. We don't eat brownies that are in baggies like this, you know, it never occurred to me to be like, Hey, don't tell anybody, you know, it's right. just like, let's just not do that again. But right. you know, the next thing I know my kids are being taken away and, um, Gosh. and it, it was a wake up call. It was a wake up call. And, but the thing is, is cause I like to, 
I like to hide. I, I, I try to hide all my drinking and stuff from certain people. You know, I, I feel like I was kind of open about it, but I was also kind of secretive about it. But I had to go to my dad and my stepmom and say, hey, I've screwed up. My children are in a home right now. I don't know where they are, but I need to know if you can take them. And um, they didn't even really know that I was so bad into drinking and stuff. They were kind of like, okay, let's get them. And, um, And I would like to say that I quit drinking right then, but honestly, like, I really didn't want to stop drinking. I was, I, I was mad. I was really mad. Mad that you got. I was mad that, well, you know, and stuck in the middle of my addiction. I'm like, this is not my fault. I can't believe my kids were taken away because of this. You know, this is not something that I did because I went and did a drug test and I, they cut like a bunch of hair out of my head and, um, and I did a drug test and it's all negative. I said, I don't, I wasn't even eating the brownies. I was like, as lame as this sound, they really weren't mine. I'm sure you hear that plenty of times. I'm telling that to the caseworker. I uh, said, so, but they really weren't mine. And I, te- I passed all these drug tests that they gave me because I, I really wasn't eating them. Right. And, um, but it didn't matter. And, um, so I did drink a few times afterwards and I was well, miserable. Hold on. Well, you, I want to just ask a couple questions about that. Yeah. So, yeah. So, so they got taken away to, um, to a home and then, and then did they go, like, how long were they gone for? They were gone for six months, but okay. they um, were removed from my home and they went to a friend's, like just, um, just a temporary home until they fi- found a, uh, a foster home. Okay. So they were at a home. Um, I think it was about a week. I think they were just taken away December 12th. And my um, dad and my stepmom got them the day before Christmas Eve, I believe it was. Uh-huh. And, um, or it may have been Christmas Eve that they got them. I think it was Christmas Eve. And, but in, in the middle, between that time, they were in a, in a home where I didn't know where they were. But at this point, they didn't know. They were just like, this is a, a fun sleepover. Shit. Whoever's home they were with, they liked them. They were nice. Um, and then they went to live with my dad and my stepmom until I got them back May 28th of 2014. Okay. And, um, and I didn't get sober right away and it's not as I, I didn't want to get sober. I couldn't get sober. I couldn't imagine my life without drinking, but right. I wanted my kids, I wanted my kids back and I was mad that this was, um, pushing me to stop drinking. Like, I'm not going to be able to get my kids back unless I stop drinking. I don't want to stop drinking, but this is what's going to have to happen. Did you um, recognize that as like, uh, you know, cause I, I mean, I completely relate. Did you recognize that as kind of an insane thought? Yeah. Well, because I'm drinking, I don't want to be drinking. I'm miserable while I'm drinking. I'm crying. And then the next day I'm, you know, even more miserable because my kids aren't with me, you know, I'm yeah. waking up in this home. It's so quiet. I'm so hungover and I'm Ugh. just crying. I'm like, I don't, this is insane. I don't want to do this. Right. But and, you can't stop. Yeah. 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 And I went and I was going to AA and one a lady comes up to me and I knew her, um, cause I waited on her at a rest, the restaurant that I work at. And, um, she came up to me and she was like, well, it's so good to see you. And I was in such a daze. I'm like, I don't know you. How do I know you? She's like, you wait on me and my family all the time. And I was like, 
I'm miserable. My life sucks. I don't have my kids. And I just like broke down. I said, I can't get sober. I can't stay sober. I want to, I want my kids back. I said, I don't know what to do. I have no clue. Like I'm lost right now. And, um, and so so Melissa, why were you were going to a, so you were going to AA during this period of time after your kids got taken away the first time. Yeah, uh-huh. okay. well, yeah. I started go, and I would go to AA here and there because I had legal problems. I was having legal issues, and yeah. I was needing. I should have been sober, like I was supposed to be sober, and um, I I just couldn't. I, yeah. I just didn't. I didn't want to. I couldn't. I'm, I'm like, send me to jail. I don't even care now because like I can't be free in the free world and be sober. I right. just I would just get two weeks would go by and my would be crawling I would just be in total miserable yeah and um were you able to see your kids in that time yes I could see my kids anytime um I spent a lot of time over at my dad and my stepmoms and I um could see yeah I could see them anytime I just couldn't stay the night okay Mm. and um and I couldn't take them anywhere with me I had to be with them right and and then I and then I got sober February tenth of two thousand fourteen, and I started really doing well. And the lady that came up to me at that time, she um, was my sponsor, and mm-hmm. I started working the steps. And um, I got my kids back. Just like my caseworker called me one day and said, "Hey, we went to the judge and we told him that we think that you should have your kids back." And here you go. How you long was it after that? That was six months um, after they were taken away. They were taken away December uh, 12, 2013. I got them back May 28, 2014. Okay. And um, and I said, well, when can I get them? They're like, you can get them now. And so I went and picked up their stuff, and I brought them home. And I was like, this is great. And it was great for a little while. Yeah. Um, But my son was having a lot of of emotional issues and – and I, I'm a single mom. Yeah, I was and, gonna, I was gonna ask. Yeah, I'm a single mom, and I was, the more, the longer that I had the sponsor, and the longer that I was going to those meetings, the more um, miserable I was getting. Like I was really miserable, and then I was. Having, what do you mean, like? Um, because you didn't. You, the way you said it, you said the longer you were going to the meetings, and the more you had the sponsor, you were getting more miserable. I didn't. I didn't feel um, like that's where I, I I just, something was telling me that like the meeting that I was going to, I would get anxiety Mm -hmm. and I didn't agree with a lot of the things that my sponsor was having me do. Mm -hmm. And um, I didn't really feel like my recovery was mine. I felt like it was hers Mm -hmm. and um, I didn't like going to the meeting that I was going to. And at one point she, I told her that I wanted to go to a different meeting and she was upset with me. Mm-hmm. And, um, and I felt, and she was, and I was having to pay a babysitter to go to these meetings because yeah. I had to be at certain meetings. I'm like, this is, I can't do this. This is yeah. stressful. And yeah. I was dating a guy at the time that thought that she was too hard on me. And then she thought that he was, you know, I felt like I was being, it was in a tug of war between him and her and they were both trying to control me, and I, and then I'm trying to deal with my son at the same time, and trying to stay sober, stay sane. I was up at the school, like, I don't even know how many days a week, because of my son's behavior, and, right. um, 
January 31st of 2015, he was admitted into a behavioral health hospital. Mm. And, um, I, and he's how old at this point? Seven, eight, seven. Yeah. He was seven. Okay. And on February 10th of 2015, I celebrated a year sober and I was, I was miserable, honestly. And yeah. in really in the back, in the back of my mind, I thought to myself, you know, I can't wait until I can drink again. Yeah. I can't wait. I can't wait until I am. I can't wait until I'm off probation. And so, okay. I, I was going to say, what was the, um, what was key is, so you were on probation. I was on probation and I still am. And, um, it's just a lot more, um, strict yeah. and a lot more serious now. And there's no room for screw ups. There's none. Right. When you're on, um, you're on probation from what? Oh, um, <laughs> I was on probation for a felony DUI. Okay. From 2012. Okay. And felony child neglect. Okay. That fel- that felony child neglect is from 2012 when at the time me and my boyfriend at the time were um really fighting it was a very bad relationship and I packed up the- me and the kids stuff in the car and we went over to a friend's apartment to kind of hide out from him yeah and I was going to take off to Texas but when I got to this apartment I started drinking very heavily um I passed out on the bed the kids were outside playing. The lady downstairs um, tried to wake me up because she saw two kids outside playing by themselves. Yeah. She couldn't wake me up, so she called the police. And um, the police showed up. By that time, she had woken me up and was like, hey, I called the police on you because I couldn't wake you up. Your kids were outside. So the police showed up and thought I told them what was going on. They thought I was suicidal. Ugh. And they took me to a mental hospital. Gosh. So my children saw me taken away in a hospital, in a, um, ambulance. Yeah. And they were released to my DHS was called and they were released to my stepdad and for five days while they did investigation and DHS decided that it was, uh, just a one-time incident. They released my kids back to me. Um, and the city of Norman, um, filed charges on me, child neglect. Okay. So. Um, when I was, so I've been on, so I was on probation for felony child neglect, felony DUI and the felony. What did that require you to do? Well, I was supposed to be sober. Right. Um, (laughs) Supposed to be going to AA meetings. Yeah. And actually I was never ordered to go to AA meetings. I just, I was kind of going to AA here and there. Yeah. Um, I had to do some classes. I did classes. Um, Were you like, like, did you have, um, I mean, I'm just curious because I think it adds into, you know, the, the, uh, the whole story. Like, were you required to report to your probation officer every month? I mean, Mm -hmm. yeah. Yeah. Once a month and, um, random sobriety tests. Yeah. Yeah. But the thing is, is that they don't test for alcohol Uh, and they test for, um, drugs and I, I can always pass that. Were drugs part of your story? Yes, they drugs are a part of my story, but not. Um, and you know, I'm not gonna lie, I did eat some pot brownies, but it wasn't anywhere around that time that yeah. my kids got taken away that I was eating the pot brownies because um, I was afraid that I'd be drug tested. Um, but I had at one point 
because I wanted to stop drinking alcohol, I said, I'm going to eat pot brownies. (laughs) And um, that's going to be okay. That's going to help my alcohol problem. But, of course, it doesn't help. Um, Mm -hmm. But, yes, I was – I started doing drugs when I was in my teens. I experimented with cocaine and um, shrooms when I was, like, 14. And in my 20s, I was pretty heavily – into coke yeah but only because i would black out and do crazy things when i would drink and so i thought that kept if you i did black- cocaine yeah. it would yeah. keep me from blacking out mm-hmm. and i could drink longer oh yeah <laughs> okay but, um, so so yeah. you're so so not to get you sidetracked um so you're at the point where your sobriety your sobriety you got a year yes i got a year and um, March 14th, I drank and it was just, it was really, I, I was just feel, feeling just irritable and restless. My son was in his hospital and I was, you know, still working with the sponsor that I was not happy with. And I was going to these meetings. I was not happy. There was just a lot of things that well, I was kids, doing that I, mean, I wasn't happy. You're like, when I'm sitting here and I'm listening to it, I'm like, of course she's drinking. Of course she wants to drink. I mean, <laughs> yeah. like you're a single mother, you are on probation, you're going to AA meetings, you're working with a sponsor that's not working out for you. You're getting anxiety when you're going to meetings. You have a boyfriend and a sponsor that are both feeding you information about each other. You're at your kid's <laughs> school every day, like dealing with his issues you're supporting your children keeping a I mean of course yeah. your like, sobriety yeah. feels like of shit. course <laughs> like, I did and um so I drank and then I tried to hide it and I was like I'm gonna switch sponsors just so I can hide this so I got a new sponsor and then finally I couldn't handle it anymore I came clean about drinking and um what did that I, look like like you, you said in a meeting or something? Well, yeah. I told my sponsor, my old sponsor, I was like, hey, the reason I switched spon- – I I um, left you as a sponsor is because I drank and I was yeah. trying to hide it. I can't hide it anymore. So here it is. I drank. And um, I Oof, that's hard. started going to the meetings again and raising my hand. Yes, I'm in my first 30 days again. Yeah. And at that point, I was chairing um, a meeting, and so I wasn't able to chair the meeting anymore. Um, and I was – going to different meetings at this time and instead of the one that was giving me anxiety I would still go there a little bit but she had kind of lightened up and was like okay you can go to different meetings if you want to yeah and um so but then but then when my son got out of the hospital it was um the same kind of behavior and and I was still dealing with you you mean a lot of stuff yeah, I was still, my son was still doing the behavior. I was still having to go to the school. Um, I was just, I felt really overwhelmed. I didn't feel in control of my life. Yeah. I feel like I don't have any control over my life right now. And, um, like my sponsor is kind of in charge of what I do, you know, Mm -hmm. and the boyfriend who I am still friends with, but um, he keeps his distance because I told him, obviously you see what happens whenever I am miserable and I don't want to be miserable again. And cause he likes to, he likes to be the savior kind of, you know, he wants mm-hmm. to be in charge and he wants to do everything for me. And when I don't feel like I'm in charge of my own life, I just like, well, you whatever. seek other means of control. 
right? Yes. Yeah. So anyways, I, we went to a, me and my friend Lisa, we went to the She Recovers retreat and I, yeah, (laughs) in May of 2015. And I thought that that would be, I thought this is good. I I am told I'm going to do better. But it's Mm -hmm. like when I came back, it was all the same thing. I was miserable, and I was just spiraling down. And um, on May 17th was a Sunday, May 17th, 2015. Um, I was at work, and I was was having a little bit of a a breakdown. I was Mm -hmm. telling my coworker, I said, I can't do this anymore. I said, I don't want my kids anymore. I said, I'm going to drink. I can't. I can't deal with life right now. I'm so overwhelmed. I'm so stressed and I'm so tired of trying to just do it all. I said, I can't do it anymore. I said, I'm going to drink. She's like, no, you're not. You're going to be okay. You want your kids. You're fine. I'm like, no, really, I'm not fine. And, um, this friend still, she knows now if I start talking like that, she knows (laughs) (laughs) that it's serious. And that day we went to a, um, a birthday party and we went home and, I decided that I was going to drink and, um, I called the babysitter. I called a guy, friend of mine that I knew would not say no to me. Mm -hmm. And I said, let's go drink. I'm ready. And I woke up the next morning. So hungover, so hungover and still drunk. And, um, I can't drive my kids to school. So I'm like, we're going to walk to school today. So we walk up to the school. Um, my daughter is riding her bike and my son is walking and I watched them go into the school. I go back home and I had a me- supposed to have a meeting that day with my son's teacher and the principal and just this big group of people. And, um, but I, but I'm still drunk and I decide I'm going to, I'm going to keep this it. going. Yeah. I don't want to, um, I don't want this to end. Um, and a few minutes later after I get home, my son shows up in my house. I'm like, what are you doing here? Why did you just walk home by yourself? He's like, yeah. I said, at that point, he was not allowed to be at school past 1030 a.m. So I was like, well, you're going to you're supposed to be home anyway. So why don't you just stay here? I said, I have a. What was that? Oh, it's I'm putting it on mute. I live in a city. (laughs) Oh, wow. Um, That's her answer. I live in a city. I love it. Wow. So I. I tell my son, Hey, you're staying here. I have a meeting to go to with your teachers. And so I left him at home alone and I rode my bike over to this, this little coffee shop. That's really close to my house or the house that I used to live in. It was really close. And, um, I knew that they opened early and they serve mimosas super early. Yeah. So I went over there and I had like two or three mimosas and then I rode my bike really fast over to the school and had this meeting with all these people. Yeah. And, um, and the meeting went well. It was because my son has an IEP, which is an individual educational plan, which is why I worked really hard to get this and to get him into the school and this program. Yeah. And um, so after I left the meeting, I went, rode my bike over to this bar that's really close to the house that I used to live in because it's campus corner. So there's a lot of bars. And I walked in and it's a bar that I, that they know me at. And I said, is it too early to start drinking? And they're like, nope, they weren't even open. I was like, well, I need some beers. And so I started drinking and then it was kind of on from there. Yeah. And, and your um, and your son's at home. Yeah. And I went back home and I was like, Hey, <clears throat> let's go over to main street and let's go find you, um, a new bike. 
somebody had stolen his bike. I'm like, let's go over to the pawn shop. So we walk over there and, um, we, I was like, I got a tattoo. I got yeah. my nose pierced. Yeah. You're we, just, I bought him a camera. We, and I would, st- I'm like, Hey, sit on the sidewalk right here. I'm going to go in and um, get a beer real quick. So I'd run in, get me a beer. And, um, and then we'd go walk around and go do, just go do stuff. And at one point we saw his karate instructor and I, I was really drunk by then. I was like, I'm having a really hard time. Jacob will listen to you. He won't listen to me. I, I don't know what to do anymore. I said, I'm really losing it. And I don't know if he knew that I was drunk. I have no idea. He probably could smell the alcohol on me. And he was like, well, let him stay here. He said, I'm going to put you in touch with my wife. She's a psychologist. You know, maybe y'all can work something out. And um, so I left my son there to play because he would go there sometimes just to, to, the get, some, like studio or just to get some in it. Yeah, the karate studio. He can punch the punching bags okay. and run around and do flips and do all kinds of stuff. And so I left him there and I went to the couple more bars. Yep. And got completely wasted. But I had left my phone at the bar the night before. And I was waiting for that bar to open so I could go get my phone. And um, so nobody knows what what I'm doing. I'm not not even um, setting up somebody to go pick up my daughter from the YMCA, the after-school program. So my daughter is there like two hours past um, time to pick her up. Or she's there really late. And um, they're calling everybody. get a hold of you, yeah. No, I didn't get a hold of me. Finally, I end up going to this bar where my phone is. I get my phone, and um, I guess the bartender had called a few people and was trying to figure out who. To do. Yeah, something. I don't. It's all a little bit of a blur. I see my friend Lisa, who I'd gone to the retreat with like a week before. Oh God. And um, <laughs> she was like, "Get in the car," and I was like, "What's going on?" She's like, "Where's your son?" I don't know. I'm like, I don't know. I don't know where he is. She's like, think, think, where is he? I said, I don't know. I don't know where he is. I can't even like think straight. And, um, so we get to my house and the, the boyfriend at the time is there with my daughter. He went, picked up my daughter and I, he's like, we got to call the police. And I said, call him because I can't remember where he is. And yeah. so we called the police, all these police show up at my house and yeah. I'm re- reporting him missing. And they're like, have you been drinking? I'm like, yes. And they're like, where have you been today? Well, I went to this bar and this bar and this bar and this bar. I said, I don't know where he is. And um, in the middle of me reporting him missing, and the the police even asked me what my phone number was. I couldn't even remember my phone number. Yeah. Like, that's how – I didn't even eat. There was no food involved here all day. Mm -hmm. There's no food, no nothing, just alcohol. And he calls me from the karate studio and says he's ready to come home. And I was just like, it clicked like, wow, I know where my son is. He's at the karate studio and the police went and picked him up. They brought him home. And my sponsor at the time was at my house. She started, um, I had a few women from AA come over and they were there when the kids bags were being packed. And I think my sponsor at the time packed their bags and the police packed their bags. I can't really remember. And they left, and they were put in the police car and taken back to that friend's house who took them the first time. And I woke up the next day just total misery, total hangover. And, oh, Oh, God, I feel it. It was really bad. Yeah, so, God. 
So I watched my kids be taken away in a police car, and they were in foster care again. And the next day I had court again in front of the same judge <sighs> that had just closed my case like four yeah. months before. Yeah. And here I am figuring out where my kids are going to live again. And uh, uh, some friends um, took took my kids. They were ready, and they had already been through um, a lot of the adoption and foster care program because they were trying to adopt and so they um they took my kids and they knew your kids and they knew my kids yeah and it's been a long road since then it's been a really long road so that was just so the time frame so that was in may May. that was may my sobriety day is may 19 2015 okay and they were taken away may 18th what was going through so so on May nineteenth May nineteenth what was going through your head, I mean the, um, the day after I, the day. I had a lot of people go to court with me, and I sat there with my sponsor after court, and I said, "Can I do this?" I said, "I don't think I can do this." I said, "I don't think that I can do this again." Listen, what is wrong with me? And my friends didn't let me be alone. I had to stay the night. Um, they kept, they made sure that I was not alone for yeah. at least, you know, like the first three or four days that I was, you know, with somebody. And uh, because they didn't, they didn't know. If yeah. I was going to go drink, if I would try to hurt myself, you yeah. know, because um, it was just horrible again that my kids were taken away again. And um, I just. You're doing great. I started going to, a, you know, I started going to AA meetings again and. Um, the relationship with the foster parents started off good and we had, we had a really long rough period and it's come out on the, we've come out on the other side a lot stronger, but it's been a long road and, um, they had to deal with some really emotional traumatized children. Yeah. Which is understandable. They're traumatized. Again, they're being taken away again. Yeah, and yeah. my son, my son knew. He was old enough to know what was happening. He was with me all day. Right. Yeah. And um, my rights were looking at being terminated. Um, but they, to see them? Yeah. Um, if I hadn't, you know, I... M- if I hadn't gotten my stuff together, then, you know, my rights could be terminated. This is the second time. Um, but something kind of clicked. I'm like, this is, this is how it's going to, this is what's going to happen. Mm-hmm. Every time, every time I drink, something bad happens. And um, it just gets worse. Mm-hmm. And I was looking at prison time. I got felony child neglect. Again, I was charged with felony child neglect while on probation for felony child neglect <sighs> and felony DUI. Yeah. I was looking at prison time and I was 
getting myself prepared for it. And uh, the lady that was the DA on my case was the same one on my case before. And she's, she's like prison. She's going to prison. And right before all, right before I was going to be sentenced, they, they switched DAs and I had a new one on my case and she was willing to give me a community sentencing program, which is a two year program, pretty strict. And, um, it would keep me out of prison. Yeah. But any screw ups, I go, I go to prison and the judge looked me in the face and was like, this is your last chance. He's like, you're going to be gone for 10 years. If you screw up again, you're done. I just can't like, believe that. I mean, I'm so sorry. I'm sitting here and I'm just like, this is how we treat people in pain. We send them to prison. I mean, this is what yeah. we do to rehabilitate people is we threaten them to go away forever. I just, yeah. I just can't. But the program that I'm in, it really is um, a good program. It. It really is. What like is I, it? What does it consist of? Um, it consists of two to three AA meetings a week. Mm-hmm. I have to um, do drug and alcohol testing. I go to court once a month, and I'm in counseling. Mm-hmm. And I have I have to be in counseling. I go in front of the judge once a month, and um, it really is they. It really is a good program, and I'm very. It's I'm grateful for it because yeah. it's um, keeping me out of prison and keeping me with my kids and um yeah I uh yeah I'm I'm grateful for it what is um what do you feel like I want to know a couple things first of all how do you how did you deal with not seeing your kids like how do you how did you talk to yourself about that and um and then also maybe what has this, what has this stretch been like if it's been different in terms of sobriety? Um, yeah, it definitely um, is, the sobriety is different. I started off with, um, I felt like I was doing the exact same thing that I did the first time that I got sober mm-hmm. uh, with the same sponsor at the same meetings. At first, that's, at first, that's what you were doing. At first, yeah. yeah. And um, that sponsor at the time was going through a really hard time in her life. Mm-hmm. And um, I kind of got the brunt of it one night. And she said some really hurtful things to me. And I kind of walked away from that. And very easily could have drank because it hurt so bad, the things that she said to me. But instead, I kind of thought, I don't have to, um, I don't have to be taught to you like that. You know, we are um, all one drink away from getting our kids taken away. I'm no less because I screwed up. And I'm no less because I get my kids taken away. And for anybody to act like I am, I don't have to be around that. And, uh, so I kind of started off onto my own, my own journey, and I told a couple of people, I think she was one included, that I wasn't going to be going to prison, and um, that I had this voice in the back of my head that said, share your story, mm-hmm. and it just wouldn't go away. It was morning and night, just nonstop, and that's when I started my blog. Mm-hmm. And that's, um, that's when I decided that I would go, I would start doing things I would start doing what makes me happy and what makes me happy is not 
I don't have a sponsor. I go to, I'm required to go to AA. Um, so I go because I have to not be, and I, and it's okay. I get something out of it when I go sometimes, Mm -hmm. but, um, there was like this whole like spiritual awakening that everybody says happens because of the steps. I didn't get it because of the steps. I got it because of, I just had this awakening that like, this is what happens. It is the same thing. Every time I drink, something bad happens. And it just gets worse and worse, and it just takes a day. And, um, and so machine, you feel like you got you had a, an awakening just because you. It's almost like putting two and two together. <laughs> kind of, kind of. Or it sounds like it, it sounds like a surrendering type of thing. You it was know, a surrender like acceptance. I accept it. Or acceptance. Yeah, I accept that this is what happens when I drink. I accept it, and it finally it hurts so bad that I refuse to go back it finally hurts so bad because before I'd be like you want to send me to prison send me you want to send me to jail send me whatever I don't care doesn't I don't don't care if you send me to jail I'm so used to going to jail that doesn't even matter anymore I'm like whatever it's all you it's all that happens to me is that hey you're going to jail okay go to jail get out start drinking again right yeah and but this this time I felt it like deep in my soul, like I felt the pain and, and I felt the pain of my children. Yeah. Melissa, how did you go from that second day, right? Where you just said you couldn't do it. How did you go? How did you make it to believing? Like what was the shift that actually allowed you to believe that you could make it this time? Um, well, it's really weird that day after court, whenever, um, I had a, I went to go stay the night at a girl's house, her and her family. And, um, my friend Lisa was there with me and, um, my mom was like, you can, you can do this. You can't just do it one day at a time. You can't. Cause I was like, I just don't know. I don't know if I'm going to be able to make this, like this hurts really bad. And, um, they, my, uh, friend that I was staying at, she gave me a book, you know, the daily reflections. Mm-hmm. And, um, cause I never had one of those and the, I I went to that day, I think it was May 19th, and um, it said one, the the reflection for that day was one day at a time. (sighs) (laughs) I was like, okay. (laughs) And um, wow. So I, that's what I did. I just took it one day at a time. And I, it's just a lot of the different things. I started to, talk to different people which de- led to different people yeah um like you really opened your hap- yes yeah and I started listening to my body like if I'm getting anxiety when I'm going somewhere that's my body telling me don't go there you know mm-hmm. and it doesn't matter if it's AA and it's supposed to be good for you that's I'm I'm not feeling good when I go there and um I'm not feeling good when I talk to this person. I'm going to listen to myself because this, you know, if I'm feeling sick and I'm feeling uncomfortable and I'm feeling mad because I'm doing something that I don't want to do, then I need to stop. And, um, and that it doesn't, it's relationships. It's, you know, I'm like the sponsor that I, I, I just quit calling her and she since made her amends to me. She was like, I, made a huge mistake 
she's like, I wish I had waited a couple of days and before I talked to you. And she said, I'm, you know, I'm really sorry and I hope you can forgive me. And um, she's like, I've learned to be more compassionate and more kind. And I said, I learned that I don't have to be taught to you like that. And we're all just, um, you know, walking this journey together. Mm-hmm. And I have a life coach. Do you know, like the persons, like I would meet one person and she would say, hey, you need to talk to this person. This one, You need to talk to this person. It's really weird how it all works out. Mm-hmm. And I met this woman who is a life coach. And, um, I see her, I, I saw her last week. I'm going to see her today. She has really helped me a lot to stand up for myself and to recognize that I don't have to be ashamed of my story. And, um, that is okay to just accept myself and love myself for who I am and mistakes and all. Yeah. The and, thing the thing that really comes across is that you took some sort of power back. Like somewhere yeah, in the mm-hmm. story, you went from being at the mercy of something to yeah. actually really to really to really living for, for yourself and really owning yourself. Yeah. And I mean that's like what yeah. has come across so much in, in all of this. Which yeah, is huge. I was so miserable in my recovery before because it wasn't mine. It was somebody yeah. else's. It was what somebody else wanted me to do and say and wear and go and everything and um, and I just can't live like that anymore. I have to do what makes me happy. And it, it, it just, and I've expressed it to, um, my friend who I was dating at the time, um, that this is, this is my life and I have to live it the way that makes me happy. And if you cannot be a part of the solution, then you have to be out. Like yeah. I, I have to recognize what is, um, what can trigger me. And that is not feeling like I'm in control of my life mm-hmm. doing what, um, do we, I'm a people pleaser. I want to please everybody. I want everybody to like me. Mm-hmm. And, um, I, that's one of the things that I'm working on is just not caring whether somebody likes me or not. Who cares what they think about me? You yeah. know, people can think whatever they want to. And that's been a lot of it. And when I, I would, me and my son were seeing a, counselor before they got taken away we we're doing the um a parent-child interaction therapy and we had just started it when they got taken away and so when um he started seeing her separately and I was seeing her separately for a period of time and she asked me she said what do you do whenever you're stressed out or you're overwhelmed <laughs> I said I call my sponsor and she was like what else do you do right and I said um I call a lady in AA and she's like, what else do you do? And I said, uh, I don't know. I call somebody and they tell me what to do. And she was just like, what else do you do? And I said, I don't know. That's what I do. Like, they tell me what to do. And she's like, you don't know what you do when you get stressed out? You Somebody else tells you what to do? I said, yeah. And that's when I started to click. Like, wow. Like, I have, I still, like, I'm not even, I'm not even, um, I can't think of, I'm not doing anything for myself. I'm relying on other people yeah, um, to take care of me and to tell me what to do and how to live. And sometimes that's what they do in AA. Like, Hey, you don't know how to make decisions. We're going to do it for you. And that's yeah. fine. Maybe at first for some people, but it wasn't working for me because I feel lost well, and out of control. Yeah. Eventually you have to take back your, your own, your mm-hmm. own. Power. It's, 
it sounds like you, like Holly said, and just, I don't know, something about like the way you explain where, you know, the first stretch that year and, and just how your voice sounds today, um, that there is more own, more ownership of your story. And what, you know, the, when you started sharing, because I, you know, had the similar sort of voice and, um, hounding, uh, you know, to, to share mine, how is your experience with doing that? Like what has happened because you share, you've been sharing your story? Well, um, it's really weird because I remember sitting with my mom and telling her mom, like I have this voice in my head that tells me I have to tell my story. I need to start a blog. I, I, and I, I just need to do it. And, um, I don't know why, I don't know where it's going to go, but I have to do it because this voice won't go away. I can't sleep until I do it. And, um, so I started it and I have had random people, you know, email me and tell me, thank you for sharing your story. And, you know, I've gone through this and, you know, please keep sharing your story. I just, and I've had somebody from my, that I went to middle school and high school with email me a few weeks ago and ask me, um, why I talk so much about recovery. And I said, because I am in recovery. And she was like, well, I, you know, I have, I'm having a hard time staying sober. And, um, she's like, I feel so alone. I'm like, you're not alone here. I said, read my blog. And so I sent her like a link to my blog and I added her to the, um, Omar Pintos, you know, the yeah, share share. podcast. Mm-hmm. I added her to that. And, um, I was like, you are so not alone. And, um, there's so many ways to recover. There's so many ways to reach out and to connect. And, um, it's been amazing. Like I feel this release whenever I type up my feelings and I put a blog out there and it's not that it's like really interesting for, you know, life changing for other people, but it helps me. Oh, it is, but, but it helps you. Yeah, no, it's, it helps it. It's like, did you, um, did you, were you able to like tell the truth, you know, really tell the full truth, um, in your, in your first starts? Like, did, did, did honesty come into this at all? Uh, I mean, your writing just sounds honest. Your writing sounds like. I don't really know how to be anything other than, than open and honest. I don't really know how to, um, hold back kind of, and that's kind of how I am. Like I've been told a lot of times just in my personal life, you tell too much. Like you, (laughs) well, that's um, a surprise. I swear that's like a (laughs) byproduct of being a person in recovery. Yeah. You just, um, you end up, you end up just going right to the, the thing all the time. Yeah. I noticed that when I met, like I was at my daughter's softball game and we were talking about something really banal, banal, banal. And I came out with this something and everyone just looked at me like, uh, <laughs> what? Wait, whoa, we weren't going there, you know, but it's, I yeah. don't know. I think, um, yeah, I get it. Well, I guess one of the things that I was worried about when I first started um, was that the people that were closest to me, mm-hmm. um, you know, like I would, that I was going A with would um, read the stuff that I wrote and they would um, not like me and they would be upset and they would be because of the anonymity. Yeah, I guess so because of that. And just because, um, just because I was going out on my own and talking kind of openly about it. Totally get it. And so I, and it's called my truth starts here. 
but then I sometimes I feel like, am I really being open and honest and truthful? Like I I'm not as open about it on my um, personal Facebook page. I am a little bit, but I was kind of waiting until I got to a year to be like, hey, this is what's happened this year. This is what I'm at. This is where I'm at, and waiting till the year to kind of really move into the next stage. I think right. that's um, smart though. That's just using like discernment and what you're yeah. saying. And, um, but I feel like I'm pretty open about it. I, and like I said, I don't really know how to be anything other than open about it. Mm. Um, I don't come straight out and say, Hey, guess what? Um, my son ate a pot brownie and that's why they got taken away the first time. I don't really come straight out and say that on my blogs, but it's, I kind of just, I just kind of say what is in my heart and my mind at the moment. And that when I feel like something needs to be off my chest, because it's like kind of weighing me down a little bit. And I will notice, I can feel it, I can hear it when something needs to be written down and I need to put something out because I, I feel such a, like a re- like I said, a release. I feel yeah. so good after I get it out and it's kind of yeah. like, it's just done, it's out there. Yeah. It is. And, um, and I don't know, that's kind of what this, that voice I was telling you in the beginning is that was telling me that I needed to share my story. Why? I don't know. I guess it's to help other people. Um it's amazing how all of my struggles and all my crazy life and everything that I've been through can help somebody. But, um, it was like, do it. You've got to do this. And so that's just what I'm doing. I'm just taking it day by day. I don't know where it's going to go, what's going to happen, but, um, you know, and it's been a long road. Me and the foster parents, we had a really hard time and we did not get along for a while. And, um, what is, yeah, I was going to, I wanted to, what is your relationship like with your kids now? Like, what does it look like today? Well, um, today it is, it's good. Yesterday we went to court and it's almost a year this week. Yeah. Well, next week is, um, one year today. Yesterday we went to court and they, um, trial reunification started and which means that they are home full time and, Um, but me and the foster parents have built, like I said, we've come out on the other side of this, a much stronger, um, better group of people. I feel like we've all grown a lot and we're all here for the kids. It was kind of before, like it was them and the kids against me. And Mm -hmm. I felt really alone for a long time and I felt judged and I felt, um, like, they didn't feel that I deserved my kids. Like I should have my kids back. Yeah. And t- today I don't feel that way. There were some amends made and it really, to- it really changed the, um, the tone of the relationship. We, you know, we hugged and we were all emotional yesterday after court. And, um, the foster mom actually went and picked up my kids yesterday from daycare and took them over to their house for a few hours because, um, because they miss each other yeah. and I want them to have that relationship. My son, um, I think when he, they're happy to be home, mm-hmm. but my son is missing the father figure Yeah, and I don't, I don't have that here for him. Yeah. I have a couple of guy friends, you know, like the ex-boyfriend who has known them for a few years and has grown attached to them and they, they love each other. But it's not like the relationship that he has with the foster dad. And I don't want to take that away from him. Mm-hmm. And I want him to have that. He's a little emotional, but it's it's a it's another change in their life. He doesn't deal with change very well. Yeah. And, and um, 
yeah, my daughter is like, she's good. She's with me. She's good. Yeah. Not so much. His, their dad is in prison right now. And, um, and even when he's not in prison, he's not around. He's not, he's not a healthy man to be in their life. He's, he has his own alcohol issues and I don't know if he ever will be sober. I don't know. I hope so. Um, but today the relationship is good and we're working on it. We have counseling. We, um, I had him involved in the kids camp that is for children that have parents who are, are addicts, alcoholics. Yeah. And, um, it was a really emotional camp. Uh, I've got to be involved in it. It's a four day camp. And, um, basically it's a peer group for the children. And most of the, most of these kids are in foster care. And they think that they're the only kids in foster care until they get there and they're like, wow, I'm not the only one. It helps them to learn what addiction is. It helps them to learn it's not their fault and they cannot fix it. And it kind of gives them their own recovery. They start their own recovery. They have a voice and they learn um, that's their job to be a kid and that's it. It's not their job to fix the parent. Yeah, it's really good. Melissa, one thing I really want to ask is how like, how you deal. You said you talked about this with the foster parents and, and, and judgment coming in. You said you felt judged. But I'm just curious of how you feel in general when you share your story, how you deal with judgment in general. And, and um, you know, you and I had like a text message exchange maybe mm-hmm. over Christmas about some, you know, something. But I'm really curious about how um, – how you deal with that and how that's maybe even changed as you've started to share more and more. Um, well, the counselor that I was seeing last year, the one that was, that was asking me, what else do you do whenever you're stressed besides call somebody? Um, what do you do for yourself? That was same one. I sat in her office for, um, a long time, multiple times, um, complaining about how the foster parents were judging me, how everybody was judging me, how everybody thought I was just this, alcoholic mom who couldn't take care of myself or my kids, blah, 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 blah. This whole big, huge, long pity party. And finally one day she was like, okay, I'm done. I'm done listening to that. Okay. Um, she was like, I'm going to give you like five minutes. (laughs) She was like, no more of that. Um, she's like, it really does not matter what they think about you. She's like, you're making good choices today. You're on the right path. And she was like, Everybody's going to think what they want to think. It doesn't matter. It doesn't even affect you. It's not your business. And she's like, so I'm going to let you sit here for five minutes. I'm going to time you. You can come in here. You can complain for five minutes. And then we're going to move on because I'm done. (laughs) I'm done with it. I love it. I kind of love her. (laughs) I know. I know. I miss uh, miss seeing her sometimes. But she really did help me a lot. And um, I have – I do struggle with the – the fear of what do people think about me? Are yeah. people judging me? Are um, people going to stop being my friend? Are people uh, just all the, but I, I can stress myself out. Like mm. I can get overwhelmed just worrying about what other people are thinking about me. And um, it's kind of a, a one day at a time. Like, yes, today I'm going to share my story on home and it's going to be scary and I'm going to put it out there, and it's going to be scary, but I'm going to do it anyways. Kind of like just walking through the fear, like I'm afraid all the time. I'm full yeah. of fear all the time. Yeah. Everything scares me, but yeah. I just do it anyway. <laughs> You're like, amazing putting my and story brave. out there is scary. Talking about my kids being taken away twice is so scary. Yeah. It freaks me out to know that 
people will hear this, but I'm just doing it anyway. Yeah. And I don't even really know why I'm just doing it because that's where I'm being led. <laughs> yeah. Well, I think it's also just one of those things that it's, um, it just, it kind of just falls into place and it's, I think it's just crazy irony that this is going to air on the 18th of May, which is, I know. wow. I know. Yeah. So it's which, which is that. your 365th day. Like it's like the, you know, the 19th is the last day is the, you know, your first day of sobriety, but this is also like, it, that means it's your one year mark. And so, and this is just accident, you know, like this just came yeah. up because anyway, so, um, but it just, you, you know, that thing that like, it's, it, it is, it's terrifying to do all this stuff. It's so terrifying to do all this mm-hmm. stuff, but you, you nailed it on that. You don't really ever lose that, but you just do it anyway, mm-hmm. somehow. And, and this is, I mean, this is going to help so many, like you have no idea how many people oh. this is going to help. Like this is going to help just, and, and all this stuff, all of this stuff that you've done has helped so many people and it just, and then, and then those people get brave and then those people do those things and then more people find out. And so it's just, it's so beautiful. It's such a big deal. Well, the, um, the, me and the foster dad have really, um, had our differences in the past year and, um, until, until I said, I, I can't, fight anymore. I can't do this, um, because it's causing me too much anxiety and stress. And so I just started, um, showing up and being nice and being kind and trying to, and just working together. And, um, I think it was April 12th. Um, he apologized to me. He made amends, Mm -hmm. um, in person. And then he sent out an email and, um, he said, and basically he said, I, he's like, I'm trying to imagine, um, he said, but I can't, I cannot imagine the courage it took for you to, <clears throat> to show up around people who oh, you yeah. know didn't like you and didn't give you the benefit of the doubt and still you show up yeah. and you, um, and you're working with us and you are here for you and your kids and, and you're just here and you just keep showing up around people that you know didn't treat you well. And, um, your commitment to your kids and your sobriety is, um, was amazing. And he's like, we didn't grant you the grace that you deserved. And I'm sorry for that. And, uh, that was, that was huge. And it still is. I, I just, it just shows that you just don't know what can happen. You stay sober, you stay committed to your kids, you just stay committed to your sobriety, and anything is possible. Yes, truly. You stay committed to yourself. That's something, you know, that you write about on your about page and and about how Mm -hmm. you have to put yourself, like, how you have to put yourself first. Mm -hmm. And 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 the thing that stays, like, that I think strikes me the most is that you, you were able to do that. You were able to really come back to yourself because you can't do anything else until you come back to yourself. Yeah. True. Can't. Yeah. I remember that's really, really, really beautiful. I, it is his <laughs> words. I, um, I remember when I, and this is, this was like a radical notion to me. Um, and it plays into the whole, you know, sort of concept around why it's so shameful as a mom, but I remember going to one of my friends 
when I, you know, after I had my own kind of bottom with my daughter and I, one of my friends who had been sober for a long time and I, and I said, you know, I have to do this. I have to do this for my daughter. And he said, and I expected him, you know, to say, yes, yes, you do have to do it for your daughter. And he, and he said, yeah, yeah, it would be really wonderful for, for your daughter to have a sober mom, but you do this for you. You don't mm-hmm. do this for your husband, your ex-husband, your parents. You don't owe, you know, it's, it's for you. And he, and he said that because he had also many attempts where he was doing it for other people. And, mm-hmm. and it's not, um, it sounds like the most selfish thing in the world, or it did to me sound like the most selfish thing in the world, but, um, but it was true. It didn't mm-hmm. stick for me until I believed that I deserved a sober life. Yeah. Be- believed that I deserved it, that I deserved a sober life. I couldn't get sober. Um, and acceptance. Acceptance for me is um, being key. Is mm-hmm. Accepting that I just can't drink normally. I yeah. never have. And I'm tired of trying. And so I've surrendered. I've accepted. Yeah. And I'm closing the chapter on that um and moving on to the next I don't forget about what happened I don't want to forget where I came from and I don't want to forget about what happens when I do drink but I'm not going to dwell on it and I'm going to move forward you don't live there anymore <laughs> yeah I don't live there anymore <laughs> exactly. oh you're this is so beautiful I um uh, we, we don't we before we go don't we want her to I would love for you to to give advice to other women that are. I mean, because because I mean, we know women are are going through all sorts of different things, and some people might just be starting out where you were, you know. And yeah, um, I'd love to hear what you what advice you have to 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 the you to you, you know, a year ago or to you, you know, a year and a half. Like, what what advice do you have for for you a year ago? What would you say? I would say um, keep going. Don't give up. And if something doesn't feel right, then it's not right. Your recovery is your own. There's so many paths of recovery. Find what works best for you. If you're miserable in your recovery, try something different. Mm -hmm. And it's okay if something doesn't work for you. And it's okay to say no. It's okay to set boundaries. In fact, boundaries is huge you have to be able to say no to somebody or to say no something people places and things Mm -hmm. change change it and um I would say who cares what other people think who cares what they're saying about you behind your back who cares you got to live your life for you and um and for your kids your kids deserve it and sobriety is it can be really great. You just got to find what works for you. It is great. Sobriety is good. You deserve it. We all deserve it. Our kids deserve it. Is that how you feel today? Do you feel like like sobriety is um, is a blessing or, you know? I feel like it is a blessing. I do. I, when I I think back, the, the closer it gets to a year of all this, um, all these things happening, I get this really... Um, sick feeling I get this knot in my stomach of like wow I can't believe that I used to that I lived like that I and I used to live 
you know, hung over every day. I know, and, right? And it was miserable and I was dehydrated and I was bloated and I was like, I, I couldn't even like be present with my kids because I couldn't wait to get home to go drink. Mm-hmm. And, um, and, I, or, or I needed to have them at the babysitter all the time so I could be out partying. Like, I can't believe that I live like that. Yeah. And yeah, it's a, it's a total blessing to be sober. And, um, I feel extremely lucky to be able to be home with my children and, um, and that I never hurt anybody physically. You know, I hurt a lot of people emotionally, but I, you know, I've been in a couple of wrecks. I never killed anybody. I never killed myself. Like, I feel so grateful to be where I am today. Yeah, I'm I'm grateful you are where you are today. I am too. You're such a badass. I mean, you just really are. <laughs> I don't know about that. But oh no, you are. Oh, you are. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, um, I guess it had to. I had to go through a lot to get here. So. Yeah, I know, I know, and it's it's a big deal. All of it is a big deal. It's. I mean, it's. You know, there's. I've been. I don't know if I've. I, I'm speechless. I am. I mean, your story is just a big. It's a big thing, and it's a big deal, and what you're doing with it is a big deal, and you're a big deal, and. Um, yeah. I'm just well, so grateful you. that you talk about it. I'm so grateful that you talk about it and that you do so in a way that is just is is just honest and and also you have so much ownership around it. You know, there's no like I don't nothing comes across of like well, you know, it's just, you know, it's it's really beautiful how you carry yourself and how you and how you express all this. It's taken some time to get to that, but um I do take ownership for it and that is a part of um, my recovery this time is taking ownership of it. Yeah. Of my, I take ownership of the mistakes that I've made. I take ownership of my recovery now. Like this is, this is me. And, um, I've accepted that I can't drink normally, but I've also accepted me and all my mistakes and I'm learning to love myself and to forgive myself. Oh, I, I would echo every single thing that Holly said and more (laughs) as a mom, I, you know, I, I, uh, my mama heart hugs your mama heart. (laughs) And, um, I have to learn how to not parent out of guilt. I can't parent out of guilt anymore. Yeah. Oh yeah. Right. It's yeah. Cause they, they know they feed off of that. Smart little suckers. Mom's feeling guilty right now. I'm going to get this out of her. Nope. Can't do it. I have to be able to, I have to, you know, not only do I set boundaries with every um, people, but I got to set boundaries, you know, I mean, my, with my kids also, you know, people that aren't related to me, the boyfriend, the sponsor, whatever, um, with my kids, I have to be able to be willing to say no to them and know that they're going to still love me. Yes. Even though that statement right there is, is everything to me. Um, it's like, it's the biggest, 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 biggest piece of it. I think that's that that's huge um it's uh, it, <laughs> I couldn't say that enough I know try yeah trying to buy them presents to make up for my mistakes is doesn't work <laughs> it doesn't doesn't work so it's it's all a learning process that's what it is it's learning I'm learning something new every day and um I I don't plan on ever not learning it's going to be just a learning whole learning process 
<laughs> well, but thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you a million I can't times. Thank you enough. I really can't. This is gonna be. I mean, it's just it's it's just so good. It's so good. Um, well, I'm so glad so that I was so excited whenever you texted me, Holly. I was like, oh my gosh! I texted my mom. I started <laughs> the conversation. I'm like, mom, look. <laughs> That's yeah. awesome. Yeah. Well, you're doing yeah, really. I'm so big, excited that you things. thought of me. Yeah, no, it was, you were the first that came to mind when we were, you know, like, we, we really, like, do, the mother, the mother thing is such a, it's such a hard thing, it's such a hard thing, and I think, you know, the, your, you came first to mind just because it's, it's the first, it's just the first thing, I just, I'll, I'll never forget our first conversation, and, you know, it's just, <laughs> you're really yeah. special, so, and, oh. Yeah, I'm really glad. Thank you. I'm really glad that, and I'm so glad you agreed to do it so quickly, too. I know. Yeah. <laughs> worked like, out. Yes. <laughs> well, it's going to help a lot of people, so thank you for that. Alrighty. Well, thank you. So much love. Love, love you. You too.